When you save on auto insurance for driving safe with USAA SafePilot, you'll feel like a big deal. Even in a traffic jam. Save up to 30% with USAA SafePilot. Restrictions apply. Please stand clear of the doors. Hey guys, we're on the monorail, about to head over to Epcot. Alex, man, what do you got there? Oh, I got what my lunch. What is that? I brought a fish sandwich. Huh? You, didn't bring a, you didn't bring a cooler mask and get all hot? It's disgusting. We're going to live in seas first, right? Yeah. Oh, I got to show the fish who's boss. I call this one Marlin. That's messed up, man. <laughs> Welcome to episode 139 of the Diz His Podcast. I'm Joe. I'm Alex. I'm Jen. I'm Chris. Today, we will be giving the his on the Living Seas. So Living Seas uh, pretty much is like the Nemo Pavilion, right? That's where it, uh, that's the Living Seas is what the Nemo Pavilion used to be, correct? Yes. Yes, it was. Yeah. So I'm really kind of interested. Uh, I know you aren't watching us live, but Jen's background is looks like concept art that what the Living Seas was going to be, correct, Jen? Well, that's what it was. That's what it looked like. Yeah, and I mean, it like hasn't easy. it hasn't really changed a whole heck of a lot. No, a lot. Just no. just some of the um, displays and whatnot. Yeah, yeah, but that that looks like it was like it was supposed to be like the original, I guess you can say, right? Mm-hmm. And what I mean, it, you're right. It does look like now because like I'm looking at your concept art right now. You know, you kind of see where the diver can go up into the tube. The different it looks the same. It does look the same, but it's just themed differently because obviously you know Living Seas when that was being built and being you know Nemo wasn't around, so those areas now like Nemo themed. But I'm yeah. really looking forward to kind of you know digging into the history on Living Seas, kind of see how it all started. This is this is one of the exceptions for me at Epcot. Usually when they put intellectual property in Epcot, I'm kind of against it because Epcot is more educational and stuff. But I don't know. Nemo fits so seamlessly into the uh, the Living Seas Pavilion, I think. I think it was a really cool addition to the Living Seas. Are you against like the IPs coming into like Epcot because it should be more like an educational type park? No, um, no. I But I do think not necessarily, but I do think that um, Nemo was kind of like a no-brainer fit there and i'm glad that they did it actually yeah epcot's educational is that why i don't like it (laughs) (laughs) but you know it's funny that you guys say that or you said that chris right about the ips coming into epcot because there's more and more talk of this happening right of Mm the you know for example with remy with france right frozen right with um norway Yeah. So and now there's talk of like Encanto. Are are they going to have like a Columbia type pavilion somewhere in Epcot? You know. So there's all these different talks, and you know they're upgrading Epcot. And I I like that they're doing it because of the reason why Alex doesn't like Epcot. I think it's going to, of course, like I have no like I'm not making any money off from Disney, right? But I think it's a really smart move for Disney to do that. So it's going to grab the attention of people like Alex, right? Because now Alex is like, what? We got Guardians going in Epcot. Yeah, you no, know, maybe mm-hmm. maybe I'm gonna start going to Epcot. Maybe oh, I Frozen, will. maybe. Huh? Yeah, exactly, right. <laughs> and I think that I think D- Disney's making a smart move, and I think that Epcot was a very unpopular park. Not really very unpopular, but I think it was, you know, not as popular as like Magic Kingdom, um, as other parks. And now with like the food and wine, they're and having all these different, um, you know, events and festivals at Epcot. I think it's starting to come back to being one of those 
fan favorites, I guess you can say. Do you guys see what I'm saying? Yeah, mm-hmm. but I I disagree. Well, I I disagree. I don't like the like I, I don't think Guardians doesn't belong in Epcot. It doesn't make any sense. Um, but just like just like a lot of the stuff they're doing with Hollywood Studios doesn't really make sense. It doesn't really go with the with the you know the old nostalgic um not even nostalgic but the old meanings of the park hollywood studios was made to be you know uh a portal back in time to hollywood and and you know getting rid of the great great movie ride adding toy story land just doesn't make a lot of sense for what it was supposed to be but epcot was kind of waltz like Baby. you know it was, it was his yeah it was like he he made the blueprint for that place and i don't know just like like a play thing like guardians of the galaxy I, I think the remy ride i think that fits perfectly into france they didn't replace it with anything they they plussed it um nemo i feel like they plussed the living seas they kept the educational aspects of it and promoting you know the you know the ecosystem and the you know this the clean sea and and animals but guardians of the galaxy what is that promoting other than mm-hmm. you know give us your money that fit better at um i feel like Hollywood. that fit yeah, I feel like it yep. totally fits in Hollywood because of the movie aspect. So. Yeah, if that's uh, the route they're going to go. Yeah, then yeah, just throw it in Hollywood Studios. I but totally you don't think like the whole like futuristic feel of that ride, maybe it's going to bring maybe the story that because we, we don't know what the story is going to be about in the ride. Right. So maybe do you think possible there's a possibility that maybe the story is going to bring something that, you know, uh kind of that represents epcot of being something of the future right possibly possibly i i think it's a stretch because i think it's you know the garden of the galaxy it's science fiction it's, it's superheroes it's not you know what's what it, you would think like to be space. futuristic yeah but it's like not mission futuristic. To Mars, it, right? it takes place in present they take place in present day yeah so it's like you know so i don't know i think it's forced i i think it's i mean i love that it's gonna that the ride's gonna be open i'm not mad about the ride opening but i'm just kind of like I, I hope that's not the direction they're gonna take epcot as all well in the future so today, you know, uh, at the end of the show, we will be giving away a T-shirt, a Diz His T-shirt. So make sure you stick around for that for our Patreon members. Hey, guys, want to hear something cool? Do you want to be part of the Goof Troop? Our Goof Troop is the best and a way to help support the show. You get access to our wonderful giveaways, Discord chat, and you can join for only $2 a month. In our Discord chat, you can interact with the hosts and some of our great members. There are Disney-themed games in our chat, streams from the park. We have a special Spotify playlist. Overall, we just have a lot of fun. You also get access to our live shows, which can sometimes be a little crazy. Once again, help support the show for as low as $2 a month and join the Goof Troop. Just go to DizHiz.com, and on top, there's a link. Get to the his on the living seas. The Living Seas was a pavilion at Epcot that opened in 1986, four years after Epcot opened in Walt Disney World. The Living Seas resided in Future World West and was themed as an underwater exploration base, bringing knowledge of sea life and the habitat for guests to learn. Living with the Seas was remodeled in 2005 and reopened as the Seas with Nemo and Friends. So the history, I don't go too much about Nemo, the Seas with Nemo and Friends. That's kind of where I end the history. 
but how many of you saw uh, Living Seas before it was changed? Because I don't, I don't know if I ever did actually. It was one of my favorite places going growing up was going in. It had, you know, you walked in, I'm trying to remember the order of it. If you saw the movie first yes. and then you went into the elevator yes. that took you down. Um, but I, I definitely remember being a little kid and kind of doing like a, a gentleman's bet with my um with my stepdad because I thought it was a real elevator. Obviously not going <laughs> all the way down, but I thought it was an elevator and I like threw down over that. I was I That's was awesome. convinced at nine years old that was an elevator taking us down, only for him to point out in the corner you could see the little, you know, like I, the only thing I compare it to is like a rolling shade, you know, and you could see like the uh, very corner okay. of it. You could see it like moving and <laughs> yeah. So I lost that bet. That's so funny. Hey, they did their job then. It really they made did. it seem like it was real. Yes. So, but we did spend a lot of time in it when I was a kid. But would, would you say that was like one of your most favorite things to do when you went there? Yes. When you were a kid? Hands down. Mm-hmm. I mean, uh, you know, I don't really remember going when I was a kid. But I would say, I mean, it's just like an aquarium there. It's super awesome, right? Yeah. And, uh, you know, you can, if you really think about it, remember a couple episodes ago, we were kind of talking about what do you think Disney's missing, right? And this is what yeah. I want to see is like a full-on park where it's kind of like you can go through aquariums. Uh, you know, they, they got that one aquarium that's in Georgia, the Atlanta, the Georgia Aquarium or the Atlanta Aquarium, whatever. Georgia mm -hmm. but it's like Georgia Aquarium it has all the whale sharks. Like you can spend the whole day there, right? Yeah. And I think, that would be something cool for Disney to make a park that's just like that, where it's like, this is like um, a miniature version. I wish they would make it like bigger, like a whole park. Do you, you understand what I'm trying to say? It'd be cool to have like, you know, a coral reef. Like SeaWorld, but Disney. Uh, yeah. It, thank <laughs> yeah. you. Thank you. And all the bad publicity that comes along with that. You don't well, have the bad publicity if but, you do it well. Disney would do it well. What if Disney just yes. bought SeaWorld and changed it into... Disney Sea World. <laughs> Disney Sea, like, but it's not even, you know, just drop the Tokyo and there you go. But it's not close, not close. It's not on property, though. It's kind of far away. It's probably a good 30 minutes away from Disney. I think it saves enough money. Unfortunately, aquariums and just because of the terrible um, revelations with blackfish and everything else aquariums have taken such a gigantic hit especially any kind of big aquarium that would have you know the whales or anything mm -hmm. that if you had something big enough you'd have to have something kind of show-stopping like that so you know knock whales off that list and you know what else do you have whale sharks do you know how difficult it is to keep whale sharks yeah no. have you been to the georgia aquarium yeah joe Beautiful. has he's telling me how to go it's it well i have not but they it is the largest tank in the world is it not to hold uh, i'm not sure yes. in the world but well, i mean i think it's definitely one it's of them. in the history don't worry sure. <laughs> and you know the whale sharks just being so fragile i just it sounds like a pr nightmare that disney would just not want to deal with jen wasn't that you saying with the whale sharks that if you saw if you saw a whale shark you would jump in in the water with the whale shark or something no, was that you that, no, no wasn't you that's a humpback I that's a humpback well, okay yes. i plan okay, on okay. at some point in my life to swim with the humpback but absolutely okay uh but when we were went to the georgia aquarium there's uh like an extra pass that you can 
get and you can go on top of the tank like you can look you can go on top and the whale sharks dude were like right there i'm wow. talking about like like five feet there's like uh you know like a fence like a glass fence then the whale sharks would come up to the very top it was so cool it was so awesome could you hear them crying in their enclosed spaces <laughs> I, th- I thought that was them calling my name <laughs> well if it was only a five foot fence you could have jumped it's oh true. there's no doubt about it you could have george can't jump five feet <laughs> oh me I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna like just clear it. Jump over it. I mean, I have to go ahead and like do a little hop. You know, kind of put my hand on there and kind of like you know climb over it. Right. I can't jump five feet in the air. Living Seas was part of the Epcot plan since the late '70s and was envisioned as something way different than what's actually debuted in 1986. The Living Seas was initially planned as an underwater research facility with the whole pavilion existing underwater. Poseidon was planned as the host for the ride through, which would utilize Omni movers inside a glass tube. Unfortunately, this amazing concept is not what Living Seas ended up becoming. Nonetheless, the idea was amazing. Guests would walk through the queue, and as they got closer to the theater room, they would be notified of a severe storm coming in. Just as the storm arrives, the guests would enter the theater room, which was planned as seats built on a turntable. A screen would display the storm as Poseidon welcomes guests to discover the amazing world of the sea. The seats would rotate 180 degrees as the storm raged on. Thunder crashed as lightning would strike, revealing a walkway. Guests would then walk through the themed walkway, giving them the illusion that they are underwater, walking among coral reefs. Guests would then board a loading station of Omnimovers, which would then enter a large clear tube, taking guests under 5 million gallons of salt water. The clear tube would travel along the bottom of the tank, with sea life swimming above the guests. The Omnimover would then enter an unloading station to drop the guests off at a sea base. It, the clear tube idea is cool. It reminds you, like, have you ever, ever been, like, through a shark tunnel or something? They don't have anything like that in the um, in the ride now, do they? Um, like, where you're fully, fully... Uh... No, not anymore. No. Okay. Like, that was one of the things they took out. I think I'm thinking of the uh, <laughs> the part where you're in the uh, in Crush's tunnel. Oh. Yeah, that's only, like, half screens, or whatever, I think. Which is screens uh, or projections, well, anyway. Well, it's not all screens. It's not, it's not all projections, though. No, no, no. I know. I just, just that, just the current scene I'm talking about where it, where it looks like yeah. you're like flipping around. Um, at my local aquarium uh, in Camden, they have a uh, shark tunnel and that's one of my favorite places to just sit for like, uh, you know, or stand for, you know, five minutes because it's just so cool being surrounded by water. So it's just imagining you going on an Omni movie through uh, a glass tube with water all around you. Such a cool idea. It's a shame they couldn't pull that off. Yeah, the, definitely. When you look at the pictures or the sketches of what the what they originally thought it was going to become, you're like, "Who do you think you are? How do you think you can accomplish this?" You know, it reminded like, me of like the worlds in uh, that Jar Jar Binks lived in. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's like everything's underwater. It's like how are you gonna? We live in Florida. What do you think you're doing? <laughs> but you know, they got close to what you, and they end up actually becoming eventually. It got close to what they thought it was going to become, but just not as um, not as I don't know what the word is like not beautiful, but not as like not as dramatic. Yeah, I guess something like that. Yeah, yeah. I feel like they, uh, e- even though they couldn't pull everything off, they did a really, really cool job with it. And I, I think that it was still ahead of its time. Um, and I don't know what they what they accomplished was really cool. And it's a shame that it's such a small part of Epcot because I feel like I, you know, when you're at Disney, well, maybe not when you're at Disney, but when I'm at Disney, you know, I get one day at Epcot, so. 
I just kind of got to rush through everything. And I almost rushed through those places to get to the world showcase. So again, I do have an aquarium that I, that I go to like once, once a year here uh, near me. So the aquarium's not like the coolest thing. Cause it's nothing that's like very different, mm-hmm. but it is, I, I do wish that I could spend more time in that pavilion and not feel like I was rushed. So I had to get to other places because it is kind of a place after looking through the pictures and doing, you know, reading some of this research that I would like to appreciate more because they did put a lot of time and effort and detail into that. As a person who does get to, you know, essentially stop and smell the roses and Mm -hmm. Epcot, it is definitely a place that we have spent a decent amount of time. Uh, When our kids were younger, we would absolutely mosey through there and let them, you know, get out of their strollers, walk around, see, you know, sometimes there would be feeding, sometimes dolphins, you know, different things going on. And it was never a place that we rushed out of just because it is, there's, it's just somewhat of a peaceful vibe to it. It, you know what I mean? It's just yeah. not as loud as the other areas. And they have manatees in there too, don't they? They now they, they do. do. Yep. Yes. Mm-hmm. I remember seeing it last time, which was like very new for me to see because I don't see that a lot. So um, that was really cool. But it, it's I feel like you spend a few hours in there just kind of relaxing and admiring the scenery and, and the wildlife. It's really cool. The Living Sea's unattainable plans were even harder to achieve with the 70s technology. The majority of the pavilion resided underwater with just the top of the glass dome sticking out was something Imagineers envisioned, but did not know how to achieve. Transparent underwater bridges connected the restaurant and various exhibits. The Living Seas Pavilion was moved and the Epcot plans was also redesigned to make the pavilion more achievable. The redesign in the 1980s changed the pavilion concept from fantasy to more scientific. When Epcot opened in 1982, the empty land had a sign with the Living Seas promised to be opened by 1984. But it wasn't until 1984 that United Technology signed a contract to sponsor the pavilion a contract worth $90 million. Construction began March of that year on the new pavilion with the plans to have live animals. It would become the first of its kind in Disney World. During construction, these animals would be kept in the Florida Keys, being trained and prepared for the life in the large tank. This 185,500 square foot pavilion would house 62 acrylic windows, which are 5 to 8 inches thick. The 46 feet high tank was built 27 feet deep and 200 feet wide holding 5.7 million gallons of water, making it the largest saltwater tank in the world. You know, I never, I've been to that place a couple times. And like you, Chris, I don't really pay, spend much time there because I go to Epcot for one day only. I don't right. go there for multiple days in a <laughs> row. And so really the, the fact that it's a giant aquarium, never really, I never really got a hold of that concept. Yeah. Because I've only been there since the Nemo part and you, you ride the ride. You walk through the, you see the exhibits, but you don't actually, I don't actually stop and look at the exhibits. Right. And I don't actually stop and look at the aquarium. So knowing it's not now the largest tank in the world, but was a large tank in the world at one point, definitely is missed on me completely. It is, it is crazy. I, I, next time I go, I have to kind of admire the size of it because I never really, that, that never really struck me when I was there. The, uh, the crazy number I see here is it costs $90 million to build this pavilion, correct? Yes. So I looked up, it cost uh, $17 million in 1954 to build all of Disneyland. But if you equate that to uh, today's money, it uh-huh. would be $131 million back in 2019. So just $30 million more million to build a whole park, they dumped into they dumped $90 million into this one pavilion. Yeah. And that, that's, that's an astronomical number. And the history, I didn't put this in the history, and I don't know if I put in Quick Fire Quick Fest, but Supposedly, they wanted to do the dark ride, but mm-hmm. the company didn't want to put more money into it than $90 million, so they put the dark ride away. 
uh, which you know it, it it has a mover, an omni mover, right? But not a dark ride what they originally wanted. Wow, and that could be the reason why they are not going to build the park because it sounds like it's a lot of money. Yeah, exactly. Uh, That's why they would yeah. buy SeaWorld. <laughs> <laughs> The pavilion's concept was for guests to visit an underwater sea base called Sea Base Alpha. The Living Seas opened on January 15, 1986. The opening ceremony consisted of pairs of dancers donning sparkling blue attire. Frank Wells, Disney president and chief operating officer, and Mickey celebrated the opening ceremony utilizing scuba gear in the main tank. Guests would enter the pavilion and use one of the two theaters to watch a pre-show. The pre-show was a seven-minute film named The Sea, narrated by Hope Alexander Willis, that showed the transformation of Earth. After the pre-show, guests then used one of the three hydrolators. This holding area acted like an elevator, holding 30 guests at a time, utilizing sound effects, vibrations, and moving walls with water. Guests experienced the sensation of traveling downward a long distance. Guests would then exit and then move to the boarding area for the Omnimovers called Sea Cabs. The Sea Cabs for this ride-through are simple in design, just a sleek blue two-person vehicle. The track takes guests around the tank and then through the tank, with glass only on the sides of the vehicles. Guests then disembark into the main exhibit area, consisting of six exhibits. The first floor consisted of Exhibit 1A, which was the Ocean Ecosystems, 1B, Marine Mammals Research Center, 1C, Earth Systems, 1D, Undersea Exploration. The second floor had 2A, Ocean Resources, and 2B, Marine Mammals Research Center. There was also a table service restaurant named Coral Reef Restaurant. This gourmet seafood restaurant that still exists today can accommodate 264 guests, allowing them all to have an amazing view of the saltwater tank, full of a variety of fish and other sea creatures. Above the restaurant was a corporate VIP lounge, which even included conference rooms. There you go. There's, there's my fake elevator. <laughs> you know what's crazy about that is that was in 1986 that they came up with the idea of faking people out going down an elevator. Look how good of an idea that was. Now, 40 years later, we have that same idea for space 220 oh, i know right but in reverse yeah yeah so it's it's look how ahead of their time they were like we're, we're now we're doing the same exact thing the rumbling and the visuals to make it simulation of of you know going up to outer space now so it's kind of cool how history repeats itself as, as long as it's a good idea i don't know if i'd be a fan of eating seafood while watching my food swim by me oh it's so much fun <laughs> <laughs> Like, have I don't you, have you guys eaten there? I have eaten. No, there. have you? Yes, I have. No. Really? Yeah, it was cool. Wow, Alex has done something it? nobody else has on the yeah. show. Yeah, I ate there, and then I looked. I looked, and I went, "Hey, you, you're next, buddy." <laughs> I'm gonna watch. I probably seat. have to order. You say to the waiter, "Excuse me, I want that one." I want that one. <laughs> I'd probably have to order a salad there. Yeah, <laughs> a fish salad. Would you eat there, Alex? <laughs> oh man, I don't remember. So long ago. You went there for your honeymoon, right? I think we did. Yes, I think we did oh. for our honeymoon once. And we didn't sit very close. We sat like middle area. If you know, it's like a layered, like there's, you know, a lower bowl area, a, a higher area. We sat in the higher area because the lower area is booths and large tables and we were a table of two. So we sat in the higher area. Um, but did you guys do, you, is there an upstairs area now? Because I don't remember, I don't know if they're, I don't, going through the exhibits. I mean, I looked around, but I don't remember there ever being a way to get upstairs. Yeah, there's a total upstairs area still. Okay. And even like the VIP lounge, is, is there still an area above the restaurant, do you know of? Ooh, that's a good question. You know, a that's lot a really of times those lounges were reserved for, um, for example, General Motors or who was who? The sponsor. 
Yeah, who was the sponsor of Spaceship Earth because they had a lounge too? It was right. AT&T. There, it was yeah. AT&T for a long time, and they had yeah. a corporate lounge, General Motors, when they had World of Motion, um, and maybe Test Track too. Huh. Um, they had special lounges. Like if you worked for those companies, you got to go into that area. That's cool. So wonder if that was one for their sponsor. Yeah, yeah and uh, they also they, they had the parties, right? Is that what you're saying? Right, mm-hmm. like they had like the sp- parties for their the sponsors. Yeah. Because remember, Adam, um, he mentioned when his dad worked for GE mm-hmm. that they used to go to company parties at Epcot. I think it was. I yeah, think it was, so uh, yeah, cool. um, the uh, Spaceship Earth. Yeah, wow. yeah, yeah. Next time I'm there, I'm just going to flash my um, I guess podcast cover art and say what this is. Yeah, we can just, just say, I think we do have a spot there somewhere on Disney yeah. property. Yeah, I think it's right outside the gate. <laughs> Yeah, it's probably about an, it's like an hour away <laughs> from property actually. <laughs> so we do we have a couple of spots actually. We there are parties at just not on property. <laughs> so Jen, you Jen, you wrote the uh, C cabs, the original C cabs. Mm-hmm. You did okay, cool. So they were like four seaters, and I, if I remember correctly, like two people and two people, something like that. There were windows where you could look up and you could see, you know, the aquarium as you were going through it, and then um, ultimately you ended in the big general area of the aquarium. But I feel like they still go through that tunnel. I know you can see the tunnel when you're upstairs and you're looking down. I just wonder if they blocked those windows off just because it's part of the the ride maybe now Mm -hmm. i'm not sure because you definitely did used to go through the aquarium on that ride it wasn't as severe as they originally wanted um but they still made it so you were traveling through the aquarium and then you take a turn and then you go back through the aquarium to get to the lounge area or the and if you're if you're up top and you look down you do you can see in one of those um observation areas when you're look down and when i say look down like mean look down into the aquarium itself you can see that tunnel yeah the Living Seas Pavilion was an instant fan favorite. In the late 90s, United Technology ended its sponsorship, which resulted in a walkway being built allowing guests to bypass the pre-show. In 2001, Disney was hit hard with low attendance, which would result in the Sea Cab ride being closed and walled up. In 2003, Finding Nemo was released and was automatically chosen as a way to revitalize the Living Seas Pavilion. The changes started in the exterior, but in 2004, the interior began to change as well. In November, Turtle Talks opened, replacing their Earth System exhibit. Soon after, the Bruce the Shark playground was added. Turtle Talks became so popular, it became apparent that the whole area needed to be remodeled. On August 21, 2005, Living Seas closed to be transformed into the seas with Nemo and friends. The hydrolator were removed, and the inside was totally rethemed. I love the Nemo ride. So do I. I I think the the projections of Nemo into the actual fish tank is such a cool effect. And then the uh, my favorite scene is the um, is the uh, angler is the anglerfish right the anglerfish scene uh, with the little light on its head yes oh uh, where they're like, like swooping yeah and then like the fish look like they're like flying in front of you because you can't see any of the sticks that they're on and stuff it's it's just it's a really well done ride yes it is a really yeah. good ride and changing it to Nemo Friends was I mean it was it was so apparent and easily well done that I think if United Technology was still sponsoring. I think it still would eventually changed. So I don't see why it's, 
It's interesting though, as far as making smart financial moves. So in the bottom of um, the living seas was, you know, just, there were some smaller aquariums, a couple of observation areas. But then I remember there was like a diving suit that as a kid, you could go and stick. You're trying to, you know, make the, um, the, the claws work like it would be underwater and stuff like that, you know? So there was like non-specific things that were educational. um, But if you replaced it, you weren't necessarily going to be missing something like that right away. So by taking, you know, a reasonable financial risk and removing one of those, you know, kind of non-specific areas and putting in an attraction that ended up being so wildly popular that it, also is being that same technology is being utilized on at least two of the Disney ships because they both the um, fantasy and the dream have dinner shows and they are um, they it's essentially the same thing. It's you're talking to crush. And so oh, really? Yep. So um, wildly successful. Yeah. And, and smart because because of because it was such a hit, it's like, all right, let's go ahead and, and take the plunge and, you know, sink a lot more money into this. And then this ended up being definitely a, a success. That's exactly what happened because it was the um, turtle talks was in a smaller area originally, actually. Oh, really? And then they moved it to a larger area because oh. it was doing so well. And that's when they decided to move forward with making it completely mm-hmm. in the Nemo area. Which one came it, first? Was it Turtle Talk with Crush or Monsters Inc. Laugh Factory? Turtle Talk. Was it really? Mm-hmm. It was before Monsters Inc. I'm pretty sure. Wow. Turtle Talk, I feel like was the first. Turtle Talk was the first of its kind like that. I mean, you guys can double check me, but it was just something that was so very different. Um, when we're talking about things like this, I try to gauge it on like memories of how old my kids were when we would go <laughs> see this stuff. And yeah, I'm pretty for sure. sure that was. she was younger in Turtle Talk than yeah, in Turtle Talk came out oh three oh oh four and Laugh Floor didn't open till oh seven. Oh wow, it was a big difference. Wow, because it's the same type of technology. And I think they're great because you know you got to have that audience interaction, which is just what keeps people coming back, right? Oh yeah, I was like that's that's that Disney magic. Like where the, where else are you gonna like have a cartoon talk to you live and make make facial expressions and movements? And I mean Emily and I don't even have a kid, and we go to Turtle Talk with, uh, yeah. with Crush, like because it's just it's entertaining. Like it's fun. And to, to like, I, I don't know, you walk in there and w- when you're waiting, you look into the, to the ocean, you could see just a microphone. Like, it's just like, it's, it, it's, <laughs> it's fun to just like everything yeah. about it. It's just so fun. Yeah, and then people it that, is. that voice them and, and act or it's just, and you know, obviously the yeah. kids make the show because yeah. they, well, it's a different show every time. Yeah, yeah exactly. exactly. I was just going to say that. Yeah, yeah. It's, a diff- so it's a different show every time. You're, you're, you're going to go in and you have the potential to be just as entertained as the last time you were there. Yeah, yeah Depending absolutely. on what happens. So that was a huge, you know, huge win for them and definitely paved the way to, like you said, several additional attractions where yeah. that's just as successful. I do see why the Living Seas failed and they had to do with Nemo because it's like, it just gets to be too much. I feel like, like. You're going to Epcot, but that was an aquarium too. I mean, you could you could spend the whole day in an aquarium, uh, you know. But then you put an aquarium into Epcot with just educational things and this and that. And when you have those those uh, guests that revisit, it's 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 kind of like I don't know. I feel like it would get old for people, and I feel like they would skip out on that to go experience the World Showcase. Yep. And you know what I mean? So I don't know. I, I see why it failed, but they really capitalized by by remodeling it. And uh, you know, giving the theme that not only is was applicable back then because of Nemo, but now because of Finding Dory. And, you know, and I'm sure they're not going to end here. So probably one of the more successful revitalizations of an area in, you know, 
Disney history. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Right. Quick fire, quick facts. Let's go. The water tank recycles its 5.0 million gallons of water in 160 minutes. In 2005, the Georgia Aquarium opened up their 6 million gallon water tank, taking over as largest on Earth. 79 sea cabs would travel the 395 foot track, allowing 2,484 guests to enjoy the ride per hour. The Living Seas Pavilion was the first Epcot pavilion to not have a main attraction. The water tank was filled with water taken from wells. It needed 400 tons of magnesium chloride, 300 tons of magnesium sulfate, and 27 trucks of non-iodized salt to become sustainable for sea life. The VIP lounge conference rooms were used for conventions and weddings. Living Seas had a queue that could hold 570 guests. Every five minutes, 270 guests would be moved to one of the two pre-shows. So they still, uh, so that's probably what they do at the VIP lounge, guys. Is they, cause I think they still do conventions and weddings there because, um, one of the last times I was at Epcot, uh, even though it was a couple of years ago, you know, we're, we're going to be going here in a couple of weeks, but we were at Epcot a couple, uh, a couple of years ago and there was like a prom or something going on. And we, like all these people were coming out of that area, like, um, dre- really like dressed and they were younger and they were like dressed like they were going to prom. So that's probably oh, what they cool. do with that VIP area is yeah. they hold weddings and stuff like that. There is a couple of different places in Epcot that actually do host um, local high school proms. Um, There's the place that you go in there the past um, couple years. They have had some of the food and wine festival booths in there. Um, It's like a it's an event center and it is kind of near Canada. No. Yeah, it has to be. I can see the entrance to it. And you have to walk. It's it's kind of set back a little bit. It's like a, an event center or something like that. That's a huge area where they have stuff. Uh, uh-huh. I, I don't know how big the area is above Living Seas. If it's just the size of a restaurant on top, I don't know how big of a like prom you could have. I guess maybe a smaller private school. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you really think about it, right? Because a lot of these places, they had sponsors like Spaceship Earth and they, you know, the Living Seas, a lot of the places, even in, you know, Canada, like I think like some of the, well, some of the countries, I think the countries actually sponsored their country, right? Yes. Yes. And no longer, that's not, that's no longer happening. So you can see why Epcot has a lot of these places around the parks because they're not using those buildings anymore. They're not using the VIP area anymore for the sponsors. Yeah. It's crazy that the Georgia Aquarium is only what, 0.3 million gallons more than this this aquarium? Now, Joe, you've told me I have to go see this aquarium in Georgia because it's so massive. Oh, yeah. Right? And I would mm-hmm. not think that that aquarium is only 0.3 million more than this aquarium here in Epcot. Like, it's crazy to think so, of that. So uh, I think the reason why it probably looks visually a little bit different is because the Living Seas or the Nemo Pavilion, whatever, you know, right? It's kind of broken up a little bit where uh-huh. it's kind of like, you know, the dolphins aren't really swimming in the same aquarium area as like the other fish and stuff like that, right? Okay, gotcha. And I think like the ride, you know, it goes into like a different part of the aquarium. Mm-hmm. Whereas the Georgia Aquarium is like one big, like, Open you know, area. super... It's like one big aquarium because gotcha. that's the whale sharks and everything's all in there. The manta rays in there. It's all in one. So it's like super like impressive mm-hmm. in a way. And this is impressive too, but it's not as it's broken up a little bit more at Epcot. We hear Diz his think the Living Seas Pavilion was ahead of its time with its inaugural concept idea. Once it was revamped for what it was possible, it was still quite a feat. Living Seas allowed guests to get up and close with wildlife for the first time at Disney Park. 
This pavilion was great for its time, but the chance it tied in with the great Nemo movies was too much to let pass by. Dreaming of a Disney vacation? If you aren't able to go enjoy the resorts, then get yourself some three Cheeky Chicks wax melts. Studies show smells help bring forward memories, so these smells are a must-have if you want to put yourself back at these grand resorts. Go to MagicallyScented.com to order scents like Animal Kingdom Lodge. It's an earthy smell with sage, lemon, and lime. There is a Port Orleans French Quarter, which has fragrance of flowers, cotton, mandarin blossoms, freesia, and peonies. The Wilderness Lodge Melt smells of mahogany, blood orange, red pepper, sage, cognac, bourbon vanilla, golden amber, tonka bean, and sandalwood. The Vero Beach Melt will transport you with its orange blossom, star jasmine, velvet roses, and greens. Just visit MagicallyScented.com and use promo code DizHiz20 to purchase a wide range of wax melts, candles, and room sprays, all made by Three Cheeky Chicks. That's Three Cheeky Chicks at MagicallyScented.com, promo code DizHiz20. That's Three Cheeky Chicks at MagicallyScented.com. Check us out streaming on award-winning Disney streaming site, Sorcerer Radio, on Fridays at 1 p.m. Eastern Time, or catch us again at 8 p.m. Eastern Time. Sorcerer Radio is an amazing 24-7 Disney radio. Just visit srsounds.com or download the Sorcerer Radio app. This is this is Review. Review. Okay, guys, so this week, the D-plus movie is going to be 101 Dalmatians, a live-action 1996 movie, right? And then, uh, so I just want to talk about one thing about this, is that the trivia, right? There's always one piece of trivia that gets me. And I was on the No New Friends podcast, and this is, I think, one of the, tr- this is a trivia. They had an episode where they were doing, like, um, what was it, Chris? Like, myself first, like, Mary, who's one of the uh, hosts of the show. Is that? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, right? yeah. And they had like a trivia guy. Who was the trivia guy that was on there? Um, he does Tasty Trivia. I, f- I forget his name off the top of my hand, but he runs Tasty Trivia. Okay, in the Orlando area. Yeah. So he was on the show and he had like five questions for both of us. And we had to have, it was like timed and all these different things. And the question was, what was it? It was who, who were the owner? Who oh, owned? the henchmen. What were the henchmen's names? Oh, gosh. I still don't even know it. Yeah, I wouldn't have known that either. Is it Jasper and Horace? Yes, that is it. <laughs> yes, it is. Yeah. yeah. Good job. Yeah. Gen one. Uh, but that's not the only time I've heard that trivia question for the uh, henchman. You probably of, heard it on a cruise ship. 100%. Probably in a cruise ship. And I've been <laughs> to a bunch of like, you know, Disney, but I can never remember it. But I'm going to remember it now because I have a way to remember it. I have to have some type of like clue, like something that kind of Horace Grant, man, land the magic. What about Jasper? Horace, as soon as I know, like the, the first part of it, I mean, hopefully like I was remember Jasper too. Jasper, the friendly henchman. I actually have a fun little uh, fact about this movie. Uh-huh. This was uh, the first ever. This was the first movie that my mom ever took me to uh, to see in a movie theater. <laughs> really? Really? Yeah. yeah One hundred and one damage. I don't remember it because I was not even two. Is Maybe that on I was the IMDb? Huh? <laughs> on my personal one. <laughs> Is that all the official One Hundred and One Dalmatians IMDb? Oh, oh! If you scroll, if you scroll far enough, you will see uh, Chris Yall of the Disney's podcast. 
first ever movie. Uh, yeah, but yeah, this was this was my very first movie. I used to watch this all the time when I was little, me and my sister. Um, this was a movie that was frequently playing in our house. It came out in 96. I was born in 95. So we got we had it on VHS when it came out. And I loved this movie. I thought it was really fun. And I had a video game because of it. Uh, yeah. There was a, a game on the uh, computer uh-huh. where that I played on. Um, I loved 102 Dalmatians when that came out. I was a really big fan of this movie. I, I think this movie was all right. Um, I don't. I, I think I watched it more than the original for sure, just because it was live action. Uh, but I recently watched 102 Dalmatians uh, because at our school we were watching it for uh, lunch, and one of the kids picked it for some reason. And I never watched the sequel to this movie, the live action sequel. I didn't know they even had a live action sequel to this movie. Yeah. Yep. I've never seen this movie. I'll be honest with you. You never. Seen I remember this when it came out. <laughs> Really? Not a no. not a Glenn Close uh, Jeff Daniels fan, huh? No, I didn't. I've never seen it. You know, this when the movie first came out, like this wasn't my jam, right? Mm-hmm. There was like I was waiting to go see this movie in the movie theater, but because it hit your age range and hit your you're, you're you're like the target audience when this movie came out when you were a kid, right? So one, yeah. it meant a lot for you, right? It's super cool, I think. It's the same thing. One, it's the same thing. But but you went to no, go but see I had it, it on VHS. One. Yeah, but I but yeah, exactly. my mom bought it on VHS, so it was like a, yeah, exactly. But it, but it meant something to you. And Alex sure, talked yep. about this with the Goofy movie, right? Uh, where he's like, oh, you know, I'm not really a big fan of the first one, but he liked the second one better. Yeah, because that it hit his target. It was like his target audience. Like the Goofy movie when the second one came out was like it was meant for Alex. You know in his age group right uh, but i think it's special that that this movie meant something to you and your family yeah yeah for sure it was uh w- movies were very big in my house we um we would watch movies together all the time we went to the movies together all the time and uh so this was just one of those like, staples and we i i i have in my basement i have like dozens and dozens and dozens of disney vhs's and a couple of them we watch over and over and over again this this was definitely one of them did it make you want to own a Dalmatian? Um, no, you know what it made me do though. I have a lot of Dalmatian toys. I have a lot of hundred one Dalmatian toys, like from the movie. Did you just say one hundred and one? Like, yeah. yeah <laughs> now that just... I'm thinking of it, I I had like I really really like hundred one Dalmatians. I now that I'm thinking, like we had me and my sister both liked it. We had a bunch of Dalmatian toys, like from the movie, um, because they you know they flood the market with the toys of the movies coming out. So we got all like my mom bought us all the packs of the uh, you know Dalmatian toys. I'm sure we have McDonald's toys of hundred one Dalmatians. Uh, my sister has a Perdita uh, stuffed animal. I think I have a Pongo um, stuffed animal. Like, I think come to think of it, like. I really, really like this movie. It's kind of all coming back to me now. <laughs> so, you know, uh, when they were making this movie, the, like the director, who, who's the director? Do you know who the director was? No, I do not. Know. I do not know who the director, the director is. Like, Stephen Herrick. You know, let's say if he was on this show, the director, Stephen Hare? Herrick. Herrick, if he he'd probably know who he probably knows who you are, Chris. Probably, yeah. <laughs> He's like, I, who is I, this I, buying I all so. our toys? Yeah. yeah. Here we go. I, Screenplay you know, you know, by John Hughes. Oh, oh, wow. I um, I still have every single toy, too. I still have all of them. It might be worth Where some are you money. keeping all your stuff? In the attic. Yeah, I know. It might be worth some money, but I would never be able to give it away because I'm a hoarder. <laughs> <laughs> hey, this is AJ from the D Plus Club, where we cover all things Disney Plus. Each week, I'll bring you the latest news and rumors, as well as what's new and what's coming soon to the Disney streaming service in the US and in the UK. And each week, we have a weekly movie club where between January 31st and February 6th, we'll be returning to our MCU series for Avengers Age of Ultron. Share your thoughts in the weekly movie club room in the Sorcerer Radio Discord. 
at srsounds.com forward slash discord. And I'll feature some of your comments in this week's podcast. You can find the D Plus Club on all major podcasting platforms with new episodes every Sunday. See you there. So we are going to do a giveaway. We're going to be giving away a Diz His shirt. Uh, let me go and share my screen. So this is going to be a giveaway for a Diz His shirt. All of our Patreon members are on the wheel. And here we go. Oh, my gosh. Can you take a picture of that? Finally happened. Okay. I can't believe we won. Go ahead, Steve. Crazy. Steve was typing it. Go ahead, he's Steve. Never was gonna come to a, he's never going to watch a live show ever again. <laughs> he said right here in the chat, though, he said that he was going to watch. He likes to, to watch the an unedited version. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. But yeah, let's see if Steve's going to type. <laughs> it doesn't count. He wasn't here. You know, Ryan does always say that. It, he says it doesn't count. They're not here. Roll, spin again. Oh. <laughs> I think a picture of the monumental, uh, the monumental. Dang it. And guess what? Guess what? Chris, what did I tell you last week? What did I say to you last week, Chris? Uh, a I, lot. So, I said, remind me, I want to make a sound for if Ryan ever wins. Oh. Uh, sound off. And I totally didn't uh, Alex that. is the one that forgets, but I'm the one who gets blamed for not reminding just a, him. Just put a crying noise. <laughs> just put a crying noise. <laughs> Wait, man, where is he? Wait, wait, you should make up something like, like, uh, like, like it was a sticker. <laughs> yeah. Say, say, oh, say, no, tell, 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 tell me you want a sticker. Cause I just sent him like six stickers today. <laughs> Does his sticker you're choosing? Ask him if he wants the, um, the John rest in peace, John one. The, the, the gorilla. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes. It is. He's got a bunch from Chris. <laughs> I literally sent him like like five or six stickers. I think that's really funny. Check us out on Weeby Geeks, a new podcast website where you can find all your favorite geeky content. Just head over to WeebyGeeksBC.com. That's WeebyGeeksBC.com, and listen to all the other awesome podcasts as well as this is. So let's talk about what we did in the world of Disney. Who wants to go first? <laughs> I'll go first. Since, okay. um, Alex. Um, as Chris and Joe know, uh, I was unfortunate enough to have COVID. So I was isolated for a couple of days until my family got it. And then I was unisolated. But in this isolation time, I did get caught up on uh, Django. Or not Django. On Boba Fett. <laughs> so, but not tonight. Not tonight. Watch... No. Not tonight. Is it good? Is tonight's good? It is. It is. Oh, it is. Okay. <laughs> so see, that's what I do right before I come in here. We yeah. have our our Wednesday routines where we eat Chick Fil A, watch whatever the show is that comes out on Disney Plus for the week, and then like it finishes, and I run in here. So yeah, so, so it was good. It was good. The, it's a really good series. I so far uh, I like the series. I like the backstory. Um, I like it. I like I like what's going on. I don't know the car chase. I, I was waiting for that to happen, and it was it was kind of funny. Um, I know it's it's. I think it's a it's come up to be a good show. I think for sure. Each episode gets better. 
I will yeah. say that. Um, this week's is great. My husband calls it fan service. But I mean, really, if you want a show to be somewhat successful, don't you want to cater to the people that watch it? So, uh, Jen, I'm just going to touch on um, tonight's episode because I did just watch it before, without spoiling anything. Um, I love the connections that this um, the, I like what they did with, with this episode because of the connections it makes. And it makes what they show in the show uh, feel like one huge living thing instead of uh, separate things. And you understand yes. what I'm saying. I yeah. do 100% yeah. and, and agree 100%. Yeah, and I, I love that about it, which is very cool. That's one of the things that my husband was talking about is that people, you know, that there were complaints in the past and people should have just been patient and yeah. just saw what happened and they would be really happy with the end results. So, yes, very, very happy with it. Um, They're doing everything right with they are uh, with Disney, with their Disney Plus shows. They sure. really, really are. I am just I am loving this is definitely in my top three. Yeah, for sure. Uh, not only did I watch a few episodes of tv but also watch uh what is it called oh eternals right i watched eternals thank you what'd and you think of that i like yeah it. i like i, liked I watched that bit. too this week oh you did watch it this week i did yeah oh yeah i liked it i thought it was i thought it was pretty good i, I know a lot of not a lot of people liked it that much uh but i actually liked it i was telling chris how like i'm a, i like history i'm a big history guy and just the fact that they wrapped real life history into it and they kind of showed you how they affected real life history I found very interesting the beginning of the movie when they're running through history timeline and, and, you know, affect being with the, the um, humans during historical times. I thought it was really cool. It's a different, it's, it's not your Marvel movie of recent, you know what I mean? It's, yeah. it's not, it's a little different um, formula. So I can see where there were people that didn't really, you know, that had reservations about it or didn't like it as much as, you know, Thor Ragnarok or something like Mm -hmm. that. But if you, if you really um, understand and enjoy seeing the bigger picture of everything that is coming in with the MCU, then I can't imagine why you wouldn't enjoy this movie. You know what I mean? Yeah, I think the next one will be good. The the way that I saw this after I watched is I liked the movie. I didn't think it was great, but I liked the movie. And uh, what it talked about, what it introduced, I appreciated. And um, it it wasn't for the casual Marvel fan. It it wasn't like, so I watched it without Emily and um, she wasn't really interested in watching it. I explained to her. I explained to her what happened in it and what the significance of the Celestials and stuff like that. But um, it, it just is, it was not for the casual Marvel fan. It was for someone who really appreciates the comic books in the back and the whole story of like moving forward. Uh, it was not a movie that you could just turn on, not knowing anything about anything and start watching and kind of enjoy. I liked it. I thought it was, I, I understand all the bad criticism, but it was just because of people who didn't appreciate what it what it did and it did lag at times it was a long movie and there were some slow parts yes. but the effects were awesome i liked the grittiness of it there was some humorous parts the um what's his name kumal i think his name is he was hilarious in it yes. um and uh I, I liked angelina jolie's character i liked her dynamic with gilgamesh it was it was a cool movie it was there was a lot of characters and they did a pretty damn good job at um at telling each one of these pe- these uh characters stories in the limited time that they had. So I did appreciate it for that too. And of course the after credit scenes were awesome. Yes. I think they, I feel like they do a really good job pretty much like throwing a whole bunch of characters at you and then making it work. 
Yeah. Right. With the Avengers. They did a good job with the Avengers too, right? It's like the total opposite of the original Justice League. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Okay. Uh, who's whose turn was that? Was that that was uh, you're on Alex? It was kind of everybody. That was mine yeah, that was and Alex's because that's all I did. Okay. Too, was Boba Fett and Eternals. And, and, and can I just talk about uh, the Wookiee in Boba Fett? Yes, uh, Krasantan. I think is that is that how you say his name? I have Probably, no, no not at all. But I I know okay. who you're talking about. Okay, okay, okay. Well, his name he's is so angry. Like, it's he's so awesome. I feel like he's like the whole. He's very cool. Right, he's like the Hulk, but like a just, uh, just like Star Wars version. Yeah, of just like how she'll like, she'll like, I'll pay for your bar if you just put him down. He's like, no, I'll, <laughs> yeah, I'll break yeah. him and then pay you. No, 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 he's gonna pay for the bar tab, right? Yes, he's gonna, he's like, I'll break the person, then pay you because I'm not. Yeah, pay, he away he pays his tab and he's like, I'm out. Yeah. <laughs> Instead of drop the mic, okay, he Jen. drops the person. <laughs> yeah, I love, I love, I love his character. Uh, I love Chewbacca. You know Chewbacca. You know, is one of my favorite. He's probably one of my favorite Star Wars characters, and I love this character too. Uh, Jen, what did you do in the world of Disney this week? Uh, watch Boba Fett. That was it. Okay, so uh, I was introduced to a little movie. You guys might have heard of it called yes. Encanto. Yep. Oh boy! And you even I watched said it correctly it a million times. Huh? Oh, you even said it correctly. Yes, mm-hmm. and I've have, I've have watched it so many times already. Like it was. Are you on, kidding I think, me? Not as much as oh I my have. Gosh. Uh, <laughs> I, might, I don't know. I, I might, I might be, I might be catching up. I watched it all day Saturday. Pretty much, it was on in my house. Maybe I wasn't. Maybe I wasn't sitting there like invested in watching it. But it was on pretty much all day when we were doing other things. We could have just had the soundtrack on. But every once in a while, it's nice to look up, see all the colorful colors, yeah. you know, right? Uh-huh. And to watch it. Uh, uh, but we had it like on all day Saturday. I, I love the movie. And Chris, this is something that you kind of talked about on your show the other day, right? Is that you said that it's an all right movie, but the soundtrack is great. Right? Yeah, I didn't love the movie. It was a it was a very good movie. I didn't love it. I rated it a seven out of ten on my official IMDb profile, um, which I think fa- I think it's a very fair rating. I, most of the people on IMDb rated it seven out of ten, too. So I'm in the majority. Um, I don't think it was a perfect movie by any means, but the the soundtrack is perfect. I, the sound there is songs that I listen to on my, you know, when I'm out shopping on my headphones in my car, when I get home, it's 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 like contagious. It's very good. The soundtrack is just and the, the coolest part about it was when you hear the first song in the movie, you can tell it's Lin Manuel Miranda. Like you can yep. tell it's his style, which is really cool. Yeah, because it's like with Hamilton, that that like the songs from Hamilton were like stuck in my head for mm-hmm. even now, you know, like I love I love the music from Hamilton. It's this is the same thing. Yeah. Um, but, you know, this one, this wasn't in the theater at all, right? Yeah, it was in the theater. We saw it there. Yeah, it no, wasn't the theater. It didn't do very well. In mm-hmm. Yeah, we had to wait to get it on Disney Plus. Oh, OK. Well, I can definitely yeah. see them making another one. No way. One and done. Yeah, no way. The story nope, doesn't gonna, allow I, I don't know what kind of story you'd have. I got the perfect story. Disney, if you're listening, we can know how, why did she not get her powers? Because she's the new abuela. But can she tell the future? No, because that's what Bruno Well, does. she told me she was able. I know that's what Bruno, you know, but I feel like I feel like we can touch up on her powers a little bit more. I feel like she doesn't have power. She can talk to the house. That's her power, well, I guess, right? She utilizes the house more than anyone else. No, nah, the house just I, felt bad for her. So it's just like, I'll talk to you. But exactly. she saw the future in the in the movie. She saw the future. Yeah, she saw she the saw... crack and she saw like the candle going out. Mm-hmm. She saw all that. That's so true. does she have some of Bruno's power? She did power? see those. So I think I think they can definitely do another one. I feel like they can touch up and get, give us a little bit more of her. Why? Um... I have the I have a perfect name for it. What? In Kant two. <laughs> I knew we were gonna say just because of that. It has to be a sequel now. It's just so easy. <laughs> or in Kant dose. <laughs> 
so let's talk a little bit about Peter Dinklage, right? He's talking yes, about Snow White and Seven Dwarves and how uh, he pretty much ripped into Disney, you know, because of the name of the movie. But Disney responded very quickly. Did you guys see this or no? No, I did not see yes. this part. You saw it? Jen, you didn't see it? I saw that Disney responded, but I don't know what he said and what the response was. Well, he was just saying that it was very, you know, using dwarves is not a correct term. He's like, everyone's worried about being correct. And then they're still going going back to this thing saying, you know, dwarves and there are seven dwarves. When the original story, there are actually seven robbers. So why are we still playing them as dwarves uh, when they don't have to be dwarves? And he was bashing how it's like, well, are we going to depict seven dwarves just living in a cave together like that's normal? <laughs> and yeah. I get I get what he's saying. I think at the very least, um, Disney should have just called it Snow White. <laughs> Maybe That's what they did. Snow that's White. what it is called. It's, no, it's that's called what Snow they White said. and the Seven Dwarves, correct? I don't think so. Oh, I, I read it was I the, the article that I was reading said Snow White and the Seven Doors. Um, maybe it says Snow White and the Seven Doors reboot. I don't know the the, the um, not criticism, but the uh, the response that I saw people making to Peter Dinklage's comments was that um, a dwarf in um, in Snow White and the Seven Doors isn't like uh, a little person it's a mystical being um apparently i i don't watch lord of the rings but other dwarves in lord of the rings yes associated yeah. with caves right so i think so it, it sounds like there's i mean listen the the word dwarf is is offensive i i understand mm-hmm. that i don't think that's what disney was intending for it but if it's offensive it's offensive you know um but i do think that it's uh, uh, but again are are the seven dwarves mystic beings i don't i don't i don't never saw anybody like, other than being you know sneezing a lot and and stuff i don't think they have any powers or anything i think it was cool that he um spoke up about it because yeah uh, if, if he think there's not there's no one else that that can talk on behalf of of little people that has a, that has a platform is like, like him and i think that um i i don't think disney consulted any little people while while making this movie i think it wasn't until he made some noise about it that they said oh we're we're um he said something like they're they're talking with the with the national dwarf association or something like it was something That's like what that they said, yeah yeah and uh i think it's cool that he spoke up i think he has every right to be to be upset yeah. and i think disney does owe him and his community an explanation for it for sure so we'll see what happens from there but I think I think the name of it is Snow White. I think that's what Disney said. Like we have the name as Snow White. Oh, I didn't read that. wasn't That was not in the article that I read. I saw something about that, that they were making Snow White uh, Latina. Yeah, I think. Um, but she's I supposed think, to have. Yeah, I think so. Skin the official as white logo as snow. says Snow White and the Seven Dwarves. It's supposed to have skin as white as snow. The, um, Hence the name and that's Snow what, White. That's what Peter Dinklage's uh, criticism about the movie was. You chose to be non. Um, yes, exactly. Uh, non like. Uh, you choose you chose to be inclusive while cast by mm-hmm. casting a Latina actress, which right. you you know applauds. But then you you're gonna go back and and call these people dwarves and have dwarves in the movie, which is it is ridiculous if you think about yeah. it. But I don't yeah, think people right. think about that, and, I, and I'm, that's why I'm glad he brought it to their attention because I don't think they were thinking. Yeah. So that's the his on the living seas. I'm Joe. I'm Alex. I'm Jen. I'm Chris. Thanks for listening and have a magical week. Please follow us on all social media by searching DizHis65. Share us and subscribe to our podcast to get the latest show when it is available. If you want to help us out, get tips, get your memories shared on the podcast, see pictures and videos of what we are up to at the parks, join our goof troop on Patreon.com. 
and search for Diz His. We made USAA insurance for veterans like James. When he found out how much USAA was helping members save, he said, It's time to switch. We'll help you find the right coverage at the right price. USAA. What you're made of, we're made for. Restrictions apply.